The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, it's here. It's Friday. Weekend's almost upon us. But first, Disability Law Show for the next half hour. Lots of time for you to absorb what we're going to talk about over the next 30 minutes. And we always tell you, don't be bashful. Don't hesitate to reach out to the guys and get more information. You can get a hold of Brandon or Sivan either way, one 855 toll free one 855 rights.ca email help at disabilityrights.ca as well okay so man so much to get through so uh let's let's get into uh let's get into it straight away slip and falls otherwise known as winter what do you got this week you got something new you just uncovered right well john you know i mean it's no surprise that when COVID hit a few years back everyone was in their homes uh you know we had various orders from the government to not go outside to not go to work the streets were dead and again, unsurprisingly, uh, you had a steep decline in slip and fall accidents, which is great. In fact, according to the Canadian Institute for Health Information, the first year of COVID saw a 25% decline in injuries from falls on ice that resulted in hospitalization. There were, I think, close to 9,000 uh, such uh, occasions in 2019, and then uh, about 6,600 the following year, etc. But now we're seeing a resurgence, of course. People are outside it's essentially almost back to normal uh yes COVID is still here but people are out and about and they're doing things and of course we've had you know a a pretty harsh uh few weeks recently some good good days but some bad days in ontario And, and you know what we do at our firm is we help people who are injured in a slip and fall accident if they're injured we're lawyers we deal with these kinds of issues across ontario we also deal with people who are injured as a result of car accidents which of course we're seeing a ton of every single year but especially now when winter has you know really sunk its teeth uh, its its teeth into us and so i'll speak about that about various aspects of what kind of compensation uh, you can get if you are in fact injured because of a slip and fall because of a car accident and brendan from our firm is here as well he's a licensed paralegal he deals with accident benefits remember when you're injured in a car accident whether or not it's your fault, you're still entitled to certain accident benefits. And we'll talk to him about some of the timelines that you need to be aware of when it comes to making a claim from your own insurance company uh, for various benefits. And I'll speak to the kind of claims you can get, you can make against whoever was at fault for the accident. If it was a two, three, four car collision, or if you're a pedestrian and you were hit by a car, you know, we have some emails from people who this is what's happened to them and they need to understand what their rights are. John, before we get to the car accident uh, portion of this, I want to mention to you that you know many of our listeners know that I used to work many, many years ago as a lawyer, as a defense lawyer mm-hmm. for insurance companies. Again, many years ago, I don't work for insurance companies anymore, but I've kept up some of the relationships I had because some of these adjusters and defense lawyers are friends of mine. They were friends of mine. They're good people. They just work for the dark side, as I call it. (laughs) Uh, And and so I actually got an email earlier this week from an adjuster, an adjuster friend of mine who deals with slip and falls on the defense side of things. And he was just asking me, you know, what do I think a certain injury is worth? And, and, you know, I'll, I'll say it out here because I get these kinds of questions all the time. Uh, so in his case, this person uh, slipped and, and fell on his uh, insured's property. There was an issue with the maintenance. They didn't salt it properly. They didn't maintain it properly. Uh, and so there was black ice. The person fell and broke their knee. And so he was asking me, okay, well, what does that go for? What can what kind of compensation, what dollar figure is a person yes. who breaks his knee on, on a slip and fall on ice uh, can expect to get? And, and here's what people need to understand. 
as lawyers that deal in this area of law, we can never put you back in the the same health position. We can't fix your leg. You have to go to a doctor, to the hospital, and hopefully they can help you. But from a legal standpoint, when we are looking for compensation, we are drawing on hundreds, if not thousands of cases from across Canada where people have injured themselves in the same way. And so you have courts from across the country who have given judgments about these kinds of injuries. And so when I then go ahead and say, here's what that kind of injury is worth, it's based on the case law that I'm aware of, of course, having done this for close to 20 years. And so with this is what I told them. I said, in my experience, a broken knee, again, it depends, depends who broke the knee. Was it a child? Was it somebody who is in their prime? Is it somebody who, you know, has a job where they require their legs or somebody who is in a sedentary position? Is it somebody who's retired? Is it a student? Is it a break that requires surgery or not? If it's surgery, do you require mental, you know, metal hardware? So there's a lot of variables. But this adjuster was saying, okay, just give me ballpark. What can you expect to get? And I said, well, ballpark. If there is no surgery, I'm thinking forty to $60,000 for pain and suffering. If there is surgery, this could climb up. It can be $70,000, $80,000. But here's what you need to understand. That's what I told him. I can tell you what my sense is for the injury just in the abstract, right? G generalities. I'm throwing out numbers that I myself have dealt with insurance companies on both sides of the aisle, both defending them and also going after them uh, on behalf of injured individuals. But you can have a case where you have somebody who injured their ankle, who broke their ankle or broke their knee or, or tore their shoulder. And I'm telling the person, look, your pain and suffering uh, based on the cases that we have across the country is equate, uh, equated or worth, quote unquote, let's say $50,000. But what if that person, because of that injury, now has expenses around the home? Now they can't mow their lawn, they can't shovel snow, they have to hire someone. Maybe they have somebody in their family who has to come to their house now, work less hours so they can take care of them. What if the person is unable to work to the same capacity that they could have worked prior to the accident because of that injured knee or injured ankle or injured wrist? Now do the math, John. Let's say you're 50 years old. Let's say you suffered some kind of an injury that I tell you is worth $50,000 in pain and suffering. But you, let's say, have another 15 to 20 years of working lifespan left. And you are losing because of this injury, because of your inability to do what you could do before the accident, let's say $10,000 a year. Very conservative, very conservative. Well, $10,000 a year as a loss for 15 to 20 years is $150,000 to $200,000 just for income loss. What if it's $20,000? What if it's thirty? What if it's a brain injury, a concussion? You know, you have these kinds of cases where a simple injury or small injury or a large injury could really be, you know, valued differently depending on the total impact of the injury on the individual and their family. You know, if my sister now needs to work less hours to take care of me, guess what? Under the Family Law Act legislation, Section 61, she's entitled to get reimbursement for the hours that she's putting in helping me. Same thing for my son and daughter, same thing for my mother and father, right? So my point is, if someone is injured in a slip and fall, on ice or for whatever other reason, they should get legal advice immediately and also understand that there are strict timelines for these things. You can't just wait forever. You can't contact me if you slipped and fell 10 years ago. It's not gonna work. <laughs> There's a yeah. two year limitation period for starting legal claims of this nature, but, but, even though there's a two-year limitation period, in other words, two years from the date that you fell or you were injured to start a legal claim, 
there are also some notice provision. Notice provision. For example, if you slip and fall on, on a sidewalk, a municipal sidewalk, you must give the city notice of the claim of the particulars of what happened to you within 10 days of the fall. Otherwise, you risk having your claim blocked. Same thing about private properties. You have 60 days. There's a new law that came into effect. So you can't wait on these things. You have to seek legal advice now. And this is what we do, by the way. We give this legal advice for free, for free. You call us, you email us. We will talk to you for free. Someone from our, our team, myself, Brandon, someone else is going to talk to you for free, give you all the information you need, answer all your questions, and then you can decide, you or you and your family, how you want to proceed. But John, I, I tell people, you have to get this information now because imagine you have a claim that is worth $300,000 and you set on it because you thought, ah, I'll deal with it later, only for you to come back later for me to tell you you missed the limitation period. Guess what? You just gave the insurance company a nice $300,000 bonus that was owed to you because yeah. you didn't take the action that you need to take immediately. So just reach out to us. It costs nothing. And that number, guys, seriously, pick up the phone. There's no reason to hesitate. I can't think of one. one 821 5900 is how you do that. We're not doing this show to uh, do exactly that and talk to Savannah and the crew. Before we uh, break here, Brandon, tell me a little bit. I mean, Savannah started down the road of timelines and the importance of that. Break that down a little more for us, pal. What do you got? Hi, John. So well, when it comes to accident benefits, limitation is also for two years from the date of the, the denial or from the accident. And you actually have two years to dispute any uh, benefit from the date of uh, the denial that you receive. So you do have some time, but I always recommend to people that they reach out as soon as they get into an accident. And if not, then at least as soon as they receive a denial. However, there is importance on how quick things get done for your accident benefit claims. And these things can get very technical and confusing. Uh, for example, the income replacement benefit. It's not just as easy as saying, I can't go back to work, please pay out this benefit. Uh, you know, you'll need to get your OCF2 employer's confirmation form filled out right away by your employer. Um, also, you'll need to provide weeks of pay stubs, sometimes even show income tax returns. Now, this sounds confusing and it is important that you have someone helping you work on gathering all these necessary financial documents right away so that your benefits don't end up getting delayed uh, because the insurance company won't pay any of these benefits out until it's all received. Um, but overall, for all benefits, there is things that need to be done in a timely manner in order for you to start receiving any kind of benefit. Um, that's why it is very important that you reach out to us because we know about all the benefits and the steps that, need, that are needed for, uh, for you to receive these benefits. Guys, let's take a, a short break. Give us a little bit of a larger window on the other side so we can get to some more emails as we uh, continue through here. In the meantime, they're reaching out to Brandon, reaching out to Savannah. Phone call away, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, we'll continue. Lots more of the Disability Law Show here on a Friday evening. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Thanks for hanging in. Welcome back to Disability Law Show. You want to reach out anytime to Savannah or Brandon. they got great teams over them as well. They always tell you, just make the phone call, have that initial conversation, and uh, get some information at least. one 855 821 help at that's the email you can use. It's always the uh, default email for this show as well. We'll get to Dana guy. Guys, uh, first one says, hey, guys, my daughter was in a terrible car accident with her boyfriend before the holidays. Their car was hit from the back on the highway at very high speed. 
They hit the guardrail and then went into a ditch. The paramedics said that she was lucky to be alive, but she's 37. She broke her left arm and hit her head really hard on the headrest. She has a concussion and is being treated for a mild traumatic brain injury. I just want to know if we should consider taking some legal steps now, and if so, what do we do? Okay, Dana, let me start off here by telling you how sorry I am for what your daughter went through. Uh, we, legal steps have to be taken now. That's absolutely crucial. And, and you know, what I say to people is, obviously, you need to take care of your medical situation, your health situation, first and foremost. And it seems like she's doing it, obviously. The doctors are dealing with her. Very, very serious injuries here. Very, very serious. And the fact that their car was hit from behind... Um, I'll talk about this in the context of a claim against whoever hit them. It's called a tort claim. Brandon is going to deal with the accident and benefits portion here. But from a tort claim, meaning the legal claim against whoever was at fault for the accident, when you're dealing with a rear-end collision, it's almost assumed that whoever hit you from the back is 100% at fault. Now, I say assumed because it's not automatic. I've had situations, John, I'm sure you have had too, where people are tailgating you and you feel this urge of just slamming your brakes Never, ever, ever do that, not only because it's dangerous for yourself and for them, obviously, but also because from a legal standpoint, you are going to be partially at fault for doing that, right? I mean, if you caused or helped cause the accident. So I'm right. not saying this is what happened here, Dana, with, with your daughter, uh, but uh, the fact that they were hit from behind, presumptively that car, that driver is going to be at fault, which means that their insurance company is going to be on the hook here for the significant damages that your daughter is going to potentially be entitled to. And I say potentially because, again, we've got to look at everything here. We need to understand she's 37 years old. She has a fracture to her left arm. She suffered a concussion. Now, if you will Google the word concussion, you will find the Mayo Clinic, uh, uh, Harvard, every medical institution in the world, John Hopkins, they will tell you that a concussion is a brain injury. And in fact, she was diagnosed with a mild traumatic brain injury. Mild doesn't mean that it's uh, something to scoff at, that it's something that's just going to go away because these things sometimes plateau in terms of recovery. The person doesn't get better than a certain level. And, and the concern I have here is that she's very young. She may need certain treatments and certain things that may you know, require medical help rehabilitation sure. into the future. Now, we don't know what kind of work she does, but I don't know if she's back to work. I don't know, John, if she's going to have some kind of residual impairments that are going to prevent her from working in the future. Somebody who's 37 years old who suffered from a brain injury, not to mention fractures, and God knows what other psychological issues are going to overlay here, then she's going to be entitled to significant compensation. Now, generally speaking, generally speaking, most motor vehicle uh, insurance policies in Ontario have what's called the third-party liability limits of $1 million. That means that when someone is negligent and because of their negligence there is an accident, just like this person who hit your daughter, they have insurance that potentially can pay up to a million dollars for compensation. Sometimes it's more, by the way. Sometimes you're dealing with trucks, right? Commercial vehicles. Sometimes you're dealing with individuals who've taken additional coverages on, on their policies. I've done that myself, my family, my father. You know, we have $2 million. Again, I just want to be fully protected. But, but if it's a general policy, there's going to be up to a million dollars and your daughter could potentially get to the point where she actually claims for the entire amount, that she ends up getting the entire amount. She may be entitled even to more, so we have to look for other sources. But my point is, Dana, we have to start it now. What I would do, 
John, from the tort side of things, and again, Brand's going to get to the accident benefits, is I would immediately notify the driver of the vehicle that was responsible for this of the potential claim and get them to get their insurance company involved. If it was a work vehicle, uh, for example, the employer is going to have insurance on the vehicle. Maybe it was a rental car. Maybe we're going to need to, to you know, have a rental insurance involved. So there could be multiple insurance companies or other insurance companies that should be involved, we need to get them into the picture right now so that they're aware. Here's the reason why. The longer you wait to deal with whoever was at fault, their insurance company, the longer it will take down the road to resolve the claim. You understand? If you wait for a year, you've just lost a year in dealing with that insurance company. Insurance companies move like, like turtles. They're, they're <laughs> you know, I don't know, maybe there's a slower animal, but they, they, are, they are notoriously slow. It takes them a long time to digest documentation and information. And so you need to understand that the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take to resolve. Not to mention that your daughter may be in such a situation as we may be demanding, we may need to demand for the insurance company to provide an advance payment. That happens sometimes too. It's more rare, but it happens. It can happen. So you see, there are many, many things here to consider. The impact on the family, obviously. The impact on her, if she has any kids. I know she has a boyfriend, but who knows what the family situation is. You know, there could be a lot of issues. And by the way, John, something else, before again I turn it to Brandon. People oftentimes in, in terrible uh, situations like this, they then have issues with their employers. And of course, we have employment lawyers uh -huh. on hand. And those employment lawyers oftentimes step in to help our clients who are injured deal with the employers because the employer says, well, I'm just going to let you go if you can't do the job. Well, you can't do that if the person is injured and is off work because of that disability. So again, very important to understand you know, that uh, uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts here. And Dana, we need to get in touch with your daughter or with you so we can explain everything. Now, Brendan, from an accident benefits perspective, uh, what would be your advice here in terms of the kind of benefits that, that Dana's daughter may be entitled to? Yeah, so uh, hi, hi, Dana. I'm sorry to hear about the accident. Your, your daughter was involved in. And like Savan mentioned, I, I strongly suggest that you and your daughter speak with the legal representatives as soon as possible. But she does have some pretty serious injuries, and I'm sure she'll need to receive some benefits right away. Your daughter may even be classified under the highest category under accident benefits, um, known as the catas catastrophic category. Um, this is, like I said, this is the highest category that someone can be placed in when involved in an accident. And even with a standard base policy, the minimum limit is one million dollars worth of medical rehabilitation treatment. Sometimes two, two million. Uh, now, as I'm sure your daughter's already seeing numerous specialists. But there are many other specialists that uh, she could see that are also covered under her accident benefit claim. Uh, even if she was working at the time of the accident, then she can be entitled to the income replacement benefit if she's able to, unable to return to work, which I, I'm sure she isn't. Um, uh, this Again, this would need to be worked on right away. Uh, the, these are just a, a few reasons why your daughter should speak with a legal representative right away and reach out to us. Lots of information there, uh, Danny. I know we want to carry forth with a phone call. It would always be a, be a good plan for sure. How you do that? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Got another email here, uh, Savannah. I'm going to point this your way from Blake. 
says, guys, my uh, yesterday my father went shopping and the weather not good where he lives. He's elderly and despite walking with a cane and being self-sufficient, he slipped on ice right next to the store and broke his right hip. Ambulance was called and he was taken to the hospital where he currently stays. He needs surgery and the doctors are saying that this may impact his ability to walk or do things on his own in the future. I'm very worried about the financial re- repercussions this may cause him and all of us for that matter. Now what should we do? Blake, this is an excellent question, and it's a terrible injury that your father suffered. I've dealt big with, uh, with qu- yeah, big time. I, I've, I've dealt with quite a few cases, again, both on the defense side and on the plaintiff side, representing people who are injured, who slipped on ice, who are, who are uh, older and, and broke their hips. And that is a massive, massive change to their life, John. And the reason is because your mobility is completely affected. Some people end up in wheelchairs. Some people you know, who have been able to live on their own now need to be placed in a home that may cost four, five, six thousand dollars a month. Who's gonna pay for that? So, you know, what we would do here, Blake, obviously I need to understand a bit more about what happened. Uh, what were the conditions? You said that it was ice next to the store. Did anybody take any, you know, potentially uh, uh, um, uh, photographs or, or video, uh, anything like that? Was, was there any, any, were there any witnesses? Uh, was the store or the plaza owner, wherever he was, were they notified of this? You know, it's really, really important to understand that we, we have to approach this kind of a case, firstly, from the position of what were the conditions on the ground who was at fault you know and and once we once we figure that out once we square that and we can establish that either the the store owners or the the whoever you know owned the area itself either they were at fault or a winter maintenance contractor or a subcontractor they may have been potentially negligent here all of these entities are going to have insurance companies and these insurance companies are going to have to come to the table because this injury is going to be worth a lot of money to Blake's father. I can tell you that right now, John. Like we are dealing with a case where for a right hip or for a hip in general, a fracture of a right hip, whether there is surgery or not, you're looking at pain and suffering compensation of eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand dollars, maybe even more, maybe even a hundred and ten or twenty thousand, hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I've had cases where these kinds of claims for someone who's older, who doesn't have any income loss, they're tired, but because of how their life has been turned upside down and the expenses that they now incur, their claim is now worth, you know, mid $500,000, 600000 oh. maybe even more. Again, it depends. It depends on the complexity of the injury. It depends on the impact on the family. If members of the family now have to help him, they're entitled to compensation as well. You understand? So, Blake, my suggestion is that after the show, we get in touch with each other. We speak. Uh, perhaps I come and see your father, see you and your family, and I can explain everything. But the key is to do things now because there may be, again, notice limitations, time limitations that we have to do certain things. I can explain everything, get more details, and then really give you and your family and your father the options of what needs to be done, when they need to be done, and what you can expect. And at that point, you can make an informed decision and go from there. And if we can help you, if we can represent your father, you know, we'd love to do that. I think we can do an amazing job and make sure that we compensate him as he should be compensated for this terrible injury. Blake, appreciate you reaching out. Same for you, Dana. You guys can go ahead and call now, now that we're done for the uh, for the day, for the evening, and uh, carry on the conversation, uh, a deeper one anyway. one 821 5900 is how you do that. And for you, thank you for listening here on a Friday. You want to reach out to Savan or Brandon or the rest of their teams, I'll give you that email that we uh, use and read out every show, help at disabilityrights.ca, and we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the 
program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.